0: Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. You know,
1: there's a reason the average church in America is about 120 people because it's it's family. Now we've supported a lot of pastors on the east in uh, around the world, including in the in the Middle East. You know, these are congregations of, you know, 40 to 80 people that are being persecuted by various terrorist groups, even now on this day, in Syria and Lebanon and these places. And they are very much family. Our culture in America is not quite as family oriented, so we work hard for a community. But really, the body of Christ, and some cultures are more like this, it's, it's family. A lot of places in the world, you have four generations under one roof. In America, it's not so much just the way it played out by and large. But We're a spiritual family, and we're meant to be together as a family. And he also said, Nate also said that Christ, you know, God didn't send his son down the cross so we could be his employee. Remember that statement? I actually got it in my notes right here. I was like, whoa. Because I always feel like I'm an employee, like, okay, what do we do today, boss? You know, like, no, we're not employees. We're joint heirs with Christ employees aren't in the estate we are adopted children we're children of god and he died on the cross to bring us into a relationship into the family as joint heirs we're not employees but see a lot of people reduce church to being employed a religious situation but what the holy spirit's saying here and what Nate affirmed for us as a church is we're a family we have a new season coming We've had lots of new seasons. People come and go. We have Sam Coca praying about coming back, who the beloved Sam, who's a pastor here and has been on the East Coast for years. And if Sam comes back, I always say people are like, oh wow. I'm like, yeah, this, you know, we're, <laughs> we're really hoping for that. But you know, if it happens, it happens. But, but you know, I think about Sam Coca the same way I think about my children. When Timmy comes back for two weeks from being out at sea, I'm just like, Timmy's here and I get so excited. And, you know, we might have three of the four kids in the house for a five-day stretch, and then we might not have them in the house for months. But we're a family. They're not employees when they show up. They're family. They're children. And even if they're not, you know, and you don't fire your children, you know. <laughs> they might break your heart, but you don't fire them. They're family. They're family. So... Paul said he fills up in himself the afflictions of Christ to the benefit of this church. Paul said to the Corinthians that in the hardships that he went through that perplexed him and he despaired for his own life, he was comforted by the God of all comfort that he might comfort others in their despair and they could learn to do the same for others. That's the church, that's family. And then Paul said here in verse one that you would know what great conflict I have for you. So none of you have reality conversations with your children, young, teenagers. There's just reality conversations. This is one of those conversations. There's conflict, and we have to fight through it. In our minds and our hearts, or as the Hebrews said in the Old Testament, literally in our bowels and in our innerest. You know, listening to Chuck's study this week, he talked about that there's actually a place deeper than the heart. The, the, the Jews believe that. And it is literally the bowels, it's translated bowels. And he says, from which we get the term, I got a gut feeling. And I thought, wow, I never heard that. I never thought about that. You'll get your heart broke, you get a headache, and you get a broken heart, but you get a gut feeling. And we're in this together. And as we're in it together, what the Holy Spirit would pray for us as a church and for other bodies of Christ throughout our region and the ends of the earth and every different dialect up on the planet is that our hearts would be encouraged you look at verse two the goal the vision the conflict is that our hearts may be encouraged when we did my movie years ago beyond the dream it's been over 10 years since we finished it and we did lots of movie festivals and you know we 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 pass out almost a hundred thousand of beyond the dream around the world spanish english versions but i would sign them and i would say you know be inspired and i don't know when or how it came about but i decided to write be encouraged instead of inspired because i think more often than not we need to be encouraged more than we need to be inspired like i've always got vision but when you're on your face forget the vision you just need comfort and you need to be encouraged and most, of them, most people are beat up by life. And uh, most people aren't trying to conquer the world and win gold medals. Most people are just trying to get through day to day life in the challenges of life. So, somewhere along the line, the Holy Spirit put on my heart to write, be encouraged, as opposed to being inspired. And I don't want people to be inspired. I used to tell people, you speak one time, you can inspire people. So, I'd always try and inspire people when I'd speak at youth camps and stuff like that. But you know, as I'm 58, I think, you know what? I'd rather encourage people when you're dealing with severe pain, you don't need to be inspired. You need to be encouraged. When your adult children don't walk with the Lord, you don't need to be inspired. You need to be encouraged. When someone you love is dying of cancer, like Elizabeth Elliot's second husband, Lars, she doesn't need to be inspired. She needs to be encouraged. When the day of calamity comes upon you, like the book of Job, you don't need to be inspired. You need to be encouraged. When Paul wrote the Corinthians in chapter 12, he said that if one part of the body rejoices, we all rejoice, but also if one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. We are a family. We're not just a community. It's more than that. And we need to encourage one another. And we want to encourage people. We know when you walk out these doors, it's a brutal world. People take. People slander. People lie i got i got so upset i got one of those fake fake, uh, phone messages like hey your social security has been breached call us right away and i'm like what like i was doing other stuff i'm like well it came from indiana so i thought oh it's probably one of the pastors i'm like "Mm -hmm." i was doing something else like well let's just see and they left a message like hey and i see the text like your social security i'm like well Well, i did what any smart husband would do you know what i did right i screenshot it and sent it to my wife i said jennifer do you think no that's a scam don't respond, I'm okay, thanks, honey. See, since I've been afflicted, early April, we came up with a new saying, she's the boss. She always was because she's the better leader, but uh, I just, yeah, she drives me around, like driving Miss Daisy, like she drives me around. She's like, I'm like, yeah, you'll be okay, it's gonna be fine, you know? <laughs> so, so I said, I she's said, like, it's a scam. But then I wrote back, you know, and she was working at Calvary this week. I was like, who would do this? I was like, who would do this? Like, what if my dad got this or my mom? Like, I was like, what kind of a demented? And she, she didn't even respond, you know, like, but I because she is working in the administration for Darlene Escalante, but I was like, who does this? Like, who does stuff like that? Like who just randomly calls people and 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 prays on people to try and steal their identity like that? That's sick. I mean, I just spent the whole week listening to Pastor Chuck teach all the proverbs. I spent a week with Chuck and Elizabeth Elliot, even though I've been in heaven for years. I went to the Elizabeth Elliot book. This week, and I went through Proverbs with Pastor Chuck from forty years ago. It's a great week, by the way. I still on my face, you know, so you're like, I'm listening. Right on your face, you listen pretty good. You listen better on your face if you never you never experience that. If you're on your face, just go. Hey, Pastor Joy said it's a good time to listen. So, speak, Lord, you're serving yours. And uh, but you know, Chuck was talking about all the scams that people have, and I just thought there's nothing under sin. And so when I got this, like, these people are trying to steal my identity, and I'm like, who does this? The world is filled with takers and people who beat down and crush and destroy and, th- and think evil. And it's so sad. It's so sad to waste your life like that. And it's even more sad to step into eternity having never been transformed from that. So in some ways I have empathy upon that, but just, I think of the vulnerability of people. And I just, and life crushes people. I've been in Genesis in my devotions where Jacob, what an incredible man of God, Jacob! Like Jacob, and he just how he tried to steal the birthright. Well, he did steal the birthright from his brother, and and these various things with Esau. But like he sought spiritual things, and and even when he's running from Esau, God gives him the vision in Bethel, and God speaks to him. He's like, "Oh, that's good. I'll make a covenant if you're with me." And then when Laban, his father-in-law, is about to turn on him. And, and God appears to him and speaks to him and says, hey, I'm with you. I've seen it all. I've seen it all. It's like, you're like Jacob was so blessed and all the, But then, you know, some of his kids don't walk with the Lord. His daughter's raped. He's got all this conflict in the home. And then his, the wife that he loved dies in child labor. So then in the end of his life, he says to Pharaoh, few and evil have been my days. And Jacob's an amazing man that's what life does it's it's not a playground it's a refinement for eternity that we'd serve the lord faithfully in eternity and people need to be encouraged when you come to church now we don't encourage you in sin because you need to be reproved in sin and god's word will reprove you reproves me reproves us yeah, I'll tell you what, I don't know what you, if you're on your face for a month, I don't know what you'd think, but I'll tell you what I thought. Like I said already earlier, I am much more prideful than I think I am. I am much more carnal than I think I am, and I'm far more selfish than I ever thought myself to be. So I'm a different person than I was when April started. Because if nothing else, at least I'm more aware of it than I thought. I was like, it, it, you, you get stripped down pretty good. There's things that will strip you down, and physical pain will strip you down like very few other things. And that's what the Lord, that's all I could think of. Never, uh, Lord, I'm not upset with you at all. I receive what you're doing because it needs to be done. The way I see it, just the way I've always been in my life, I either deserve it for what I did, what I'm thinking of doing or what I might do because I'm a son of Adam. So me, I just cry out for mercy. I don't know what you do. I don't try and justify myself. I just cry out for mercy and like David come under the mercy. Life is hard. People need to be encouraged. Encouraged toward the Lord and in the Lord. We need to be encouraged in who Christ is as we go through things, as affliction is filled up. We need to be encouraged in the knowledge of Christ, who he is, in the understanding of how he works, that God is good. Isn't it interesting, the one study I missed in April, Jeremy taught, and what did he teach in Psalm 34? Taste and see that the Lord is good. And he talked on the cross. He taught on the cross. I was like, wow, that's the Lord. We serve the same king. And that our experiences of life would reveal his promises in us and through us because it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. So trustings, trials, tribulations and tragedies, they're producing in us while the afflictions of Christ are filled up in our flesh and we are not removed from affliction, but we meet the son of God who is the son of affliction, who is afflicted for us. We go deeper and so... We are encouraged by him in the depths of our despair, and we are able to encourage others. And you look at the book of Job, and what did he say? When I have come through this, I'll be refined as pure gold. And he said at at the end of the book, he said, before I knew about you, now, before I heard of you, now I know you. We need to encourage people. The God of all comfort, who comforts us with his person with his character, with his promises, and the proof of his faithfulness in every good thing that he does in our life. We need to encourage people. And our sufferings allow us to encourage other people. Our life experiences allow us. Betrayal, persecution, death, tragedy, bankruptcy, heartache, all of it. In Christ's name, it is all redeemable for the child of God all of it, because all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose and are being conformed to the image of his son. So we let God fill up in us the affliction. We rejoice. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you. And that brokenness allows us to encourage others. We're meant to come together and encourage each other in the human experience. Hey, if you're on a mountaintop and you win a gold medal, good for you, and we rejoice with you. We do. If you're in the valley of despair, which is more what life brings for most people, then we grieve with you and we suffer with you. And we're with you in that. Because we need to encourage one another. Jacob said, Few and evil have been my days. And a lot of people feel that's the life experience. But Christ in us, the hope of glory, is so much more. We're living examples. The Bible says we're living epistles of his grace. And as we're encouraged, we're able to encourage others. He also said that we'd be knit together in love there in verse 2, so that our hearts may be encouraged to be knit together in love. And that's the family that we're talking about, that we're knit together in love. That love is the, you know, we want a loving marriage. We want a loving home. We want our kids to come home and know that they're always loved when that prodigal son showed up he was as loved in repentance as he was in sin think how much the dad and the product you know of course it's a parable but that parable represents so many people in human history you think how much the, the dad did the dad love the son any more when he came home and had the fatted calf than he loved him the day before when he was living with the pigs he loved them we love our children. And love is, we, to really understand love, we need to know God's love. And to really know God's love, we need to press into the cross and the character of Christ. By this we know love that Christ died for us, we're yet sinners. So if that's how we know love, then how can we know that love if we aren't pressed into the cross through life experiences of testings, trials, tribulations, and afflictions? You read of all the great saints of old, men and women, the things they went through. I never knew Amy Carmichael was bedridden for twenty years. I never knew that. Like she wrote a lot of profound things. Like, I read her book, A Chance to Die. Elizabeth Elliott wrote it about Amy Carmichael's life, but I just I don't remember her being a a bedridden for 20 years. I'm I'm on my face for one month, and I think it's the end of the world. Twenty years as a missionary in India, a woman without a husband taking care of children. She's rescued from child sex trade. Man. This love of the cross is the cross is the place of suffering. So to truly understand the love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, it, it can't just be phileo love or eros love and those types of things—sexual love, brotherly love, friendship love, common interest love. It has to be a love that goes way, way deeper. And that love is the love of the cross. And the Holy Spirit's been—the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's really given to us, Romans five five. So the way that that's going to be experienced is by having cross experiences in our life. That's how we're going to know that love. And that's how we're going to show that love. I mentioned recently that uh, in one of the days where my pain was just, and again, it's not about me. I don't don't want to be about me, but I'm just, you know, I have to give the context. But uh, one of the days where the pain was so bad, I fainted from it. And I just, there's just no way out. You know, it's just ongoing. And the thought crossed my mind, gosh, I think I, I, I think I might have, you know, like, I don't want to be bitter toward anybody right now. But in case I am, I'm thinking these are probably the people I'm bitter toward. So, hey, Lord, you and me right here, we're drawing, we're drawing up, a, we're building a pillar like Jacob, like no bitterness. We forgive them. You know, like there's no time. There's no time for malice or bitterness or resentment. Love keeps no record of wrong. And many of you have inspired me over the years in your ability to forgive others for evils they've done against you. I've been very inspired by this church how some of you have handled evil and injustices and betrayals and I commend you but those injustices and those evils and those heartaches that that fills up the afflictions of Christ in our life and we better understand his love and we are much more empathetic as people i was sharing with i was speaking with someone a few weeks ago and they mentioned to me that they passed a stone during the middle of a pregnancy. It was far more painful than having, delivering the baby. And when they told me that, I just started crying. I just, just the thought of it, just the thought of that pain level made me start crying. I literally started crying because I thought, I watched my wife deliver babies and note to self, it looks very painful. And all I've ever heard from anyone that's passed a stone, it is the most painful thing you can experience in the human experience. And I'm thinking of this pregnant woman passing a stone, and i just I just started crying, like just thinking of the physical pain. And that's just the love of Christ working in our life. because we find that the suffering Savior showed that love on the cross, not when we were friends or when we were enemies. As we understand the affliction of that love, it produces the light and life of eternal love. In him was life, and the life is the light of men. And that life and light is the love of Christ, the love of God demonstrated on the cross. God so loved the world, he gave his son, and we just say, yeah, we know that, but do we really know that? Would you give your son? Would you give your daughter? Would you give him for a good person? Would you give him for an evil person? Right? Yeah. So that we are knit together in love. And then finally, it says that we would attain to all riches. Verse 2 again, all riches of the full assurance of understanding in the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and the Son, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So this is kind of wordy, but this can be summarized. It's pretty much why I've been sharing the whole message. But the full assurance that we have in God. God the Father's love, God the Son's love, and the love confirmed by the Holy Spirit shed abroad in our hearts. Now again, the word knowledge speaks of information. So God has given us the information about himself. It's truth. God is truth. All truth is in God. And you don't need to make up the truth. You need to make up lies and try and remember them. The truth speaks for itself knowledge is information about the truth god is who he is and he reveals himself to us in his word and who he is in his character god is in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth god is when moses said who did i say sent me he says i am that i am sent me sent you i am that i am the all sufficient one outside of our realm before all things and whom are all things So we know that and we understand as he's revealed himself in his word, according to his promises, that God is good. So we understand his character. He gave his son to die on the cross. He rose from the grave. He keeps his word. He fulfills his promises. And he's good in character. Yes, he's made people who end up being evil, but he didn't make them evil. They chose to be evil. God is good. Evil people don't make him evil. When Jesus touches someone that's defiled, he heals them. They do not defile him. God is good. God is light, and him is no darkness at all. So that's the understanding. So we know God as he reveals himself to us, and we understand as he has given full revelation of, of who he is, that he's good. But then last but not least, wisdom is that wisdom is making the right decision. So you know something, you understand what it means. But wisdom is the right decisions or the right actions. And this is interesting, and we'll close with this thought before communion. In whom are hidden, verse three, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. See, God's wisdom is revealed in all creation, in all redemption, and his wisdom. So if I say, you know, if you say, hey, Pastor Joe, I need wisdom on the situation, we're gonna try and know the situation, understand what's at stake, and then make the right decision is wisdom, is the right decision. God always makes the right decision. In him alone is all wisdom. He catches the wise in their own craftiness. For the foolishness of God is greater than the wisdom of men, he says to Corinthians. So everything he ever did, the whole gospel message, the whole plan of redemption, the Passover lamb, all of it, everything to saving you and how he saved you and the events and circumstances in your life to the hairs on your head, his fingerprints on your life is his wisdom. The wisdom of how he saves humanity and how he saved you is the wisdom. All of his actions is, are the right actions. They're never wrong. They're always right. We can trust him. In the Father and the Son are hidden all knowledge, all understanding, and all wisdom. And everything he does in my life and your life is good. And we can trust him whatever. We'll praise him on the mountaintop when he pulls off the miracles and you're king of the world, queen of the world. And we'll trust him in the valley where it would seem no one could go but him. And you'll find him there. Like David said in Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? If I make my bed in the grave, you're there. If I ascend to the heavens, you're there. God is good. And Paul, the Holy Spirit, they He wanted them to know, and he wants the church, all churches of all church ages to know that he's got it. He's got it all, and we can trust him. Day at a time, in the moment. Yes, there's conflict. Yes, things are working together for good, and maybe it's a time, a season of affliction and pain. Maybe it's a time of a mountaintop. Different seasons, right? Ecclesiastes 3, all kinds of different seasons. For me, maybe it's one of affliction. Maybe for you, you just got a raise, and you're happy, and There's a book about being happy. There's books about being sad. I'm reading the sad book. You're reading the happy book. Good for you. I won all the medals two years ago. So I had my happy. Now I'm in the valley of affliction. It's just as well. It's a good thing. We don't need cool pastors. We need broken pastors.
0: Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless.